Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and I, what are you doing? I didn't do anything. That was, in fact, your water container that the uh, little... Um, I thought you tapped your The deering. No, 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 no. Sorry no. for that. I'm sorry uh, I it's accused okay. you. Tom and I have a long-awaited podcast this morning. Dr. David Byers is with us from Startville. We had David on last winter as one of the sponsors for the Row Crop Short Course, and he promised us that we were going to get some follow-ups, and we finally were able to wrangle schedules. And in the meantime, he introduced us to Dr. Damon Darcy, who is also here with us in Stoneville. So we've been looking forward to this for several weeks now since we were able to get everybody's schedules together. I think y'all are really going to enjoy this. It's really going to be timely information. But we also have some extra people with us. We kind of have a room full of folks, which is a first. Quite quite possibly the most people (laughs) that we've ever had in our – little podcast corner before. So we have Damon's son, Alan, and then David's two boys, Peter and Caleb. So they're not going to say anything, but they're here. They're for moral support with their dad. So thank you all for coming to Stoneville. Y'all missed the memo. It was bring your kid to work day. Mine were still in bed when I left this morning, so I wasn't planning on trying to (laughs) rouse them to come to work with me. That's just, you don't do that with teenagers. Not a good idea. He's 13. I'm learning. Yeah, I promise you. I had one up, one down. I got a six-year-old that is an early riser. It's pretty funny most days because Mama's not an early riser. <laughs> Her bedroom's upstairs, so she gets up and zero situational awareness, so she sounds like an elephant. <laughs> yeah. Make, <laughs> making up her bed and getting clothes and stuff. It's pretty funny. Damon, take a second and tell folks who you are. Yep. And I think more people that listen to us will have heard of, of David and his programs, but tell folks who you are. Yes, I'm Damon Darcy. I'm a, a Murchie physician and an EMS physician, which is uh, one of those that um, really focuses on field medicine uh, in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi and across. Um, it's a fairly new specialty, but it's one I've been involved with for a while. I started as a paramedic way back when and uh, flew on the helicopter for a number of years and then Worked at the medical center for about 14 years in Jackson, uh, led the helicopter service there for a while, and then stepped down a couple of years ago, just was tired of, of big medicine, and now I'm a rural emergency medicine doc in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi, off I-20, and um, I take care of the troopers. I'm the Highway Patrol's medical director, so I take care of all the Department of Public Safety guys across the state, so I was in Louisville yesterday for those nice floods, and make sure my guys and girls that, that wear the badge are healthy and uh, and helping us all in the state of Mississippi, everywhere, all over the state. So that's what I do. Awesome. And, David, throw your title out there just to remind folks who you are. Yeah, I'm the state health specialist for Extension, sit on main campus, work with our agents all around the state, and build connections and relationships with folks like Dr. Darcy. Very big program that David runs in Tarleville. Well, and a whole bunch of things that – we're not necessarily in touch with. No. Uh, which is nice that. that we've been able to kind of merge some of yeah. that and learn about that because that's not something I think we would have been aware of had we not done some podcast events through the Row Crop Shore course. So that's a, it's pretty beneficial. No, you're exactly right. So, Damon, when we start these things, I always kind of ask somebody a kooky question, completely random stuff. But with some guys like yourself, like Tom, one thing I've been asking, and I'm just kind of fixated on it this year, in your time as a paramedic, maybe filter a little bit, what is the craziest thing you've ever seen? Ooh, 
Um, in the farming world, um, I'll stick to that course. Um, it has got to be uh, injuries either caused by chemicals, burns, or what we call entangled injuries where someone's stuck inside of a vehicle. The, the, the recent one that I was, uh, that my guys were about five or six years ago was a catfish truck that turned over uh, and pinned the driver underneath the truck with fish everywhere still alive and flopping around the truck as we tried oh. to get him out he, he was entangled so bad we had to do some things to get him out but the the um, the catfish scenario was was quite the comical one because they were literally still all live and big and flopping all around us a good friend of ours is an author writes for an ag publication and, and he was on the podcast last year, and he told us a story about a guy that got caught in a corn picker. Mm-hmm. And Tom, like 30 or 35 minutes, Chris talked continuously, and Tom and I just sat here with our jaws on the floor. Uh, we didn't say a he, word. Got, he got done, and I think Jason said, okay, we're just going to end the podcast because neither one of us <laughs> I, has I couldn't. anything to say that would complement any of that at all. Yeah, it, it was just an incredible, incredible story. So, well, we appreciate yep. that. David, I think when we first made contact with Damon, it was in June and that week that it was super hot. Right, exactly. And has moderated a little bit. And then, like you said, the day we need to do this is today. And, of course, it took a little while to coordinate schedules. So we're here today, but it's still July. And so heat stress is a major concern for folks. And honestly, Tom, it's blazing this week. The it's, humidity yeah, has gone back super up. Super humid. That's why I was laughing this morning. There's no point in being an eyeglass wearer when you have to go from air conditioning to outside and back into air conditioning. You can't see anything by the time you go out and then come back in. I think even that week that it was really hot before it started raining a little bit, the humidity was still it wasn't like it is out there right now. Yeah, I wasn't as overwhelmed with it as I was this morning when I walked outside. Damon, I guess, tell us what are the concerns yep. with heat stress and then how can we address it? So there's, you know, a lot's changing in this and a lot's changing because of our, our athletic friends um, and how we take care of these heat injuries across the spectrum. So let's just be nerds for a second and go through the different type. There's heat stress, which I think in Mississippi we live at every day, right? So we're living this every day. People in Arizona, they get heat stress and they're calling 911, right? So we live this every day, which is your body is stressed because – it cannot keep up with the humidity, the heat, et cetera. Your heart rate's up. You're sweating a lot. You're a little more agitated outside. And then we go to the heat exhaustion level, um, which is uh, technically a temperature that we take. But basically, it's your body is maxed on its ability to manage stress and the heat that's out there. So your heart rate's up more. You're sweating more um, you're becoming more fatigued and we talked about this before we got here that some of you guys during during your planting or harvesting season are working you know 16 17 18 hours a day and you know by hour eight your body's done your body is capped there's nothing left of, of reserve your body's running on what is pure stress and adrenaline and then we have this this transition where where heat exhaustion rolls into heat stroke which is truly a life-threatening emergency and it's when guys and girls begin to show symptoms outside of your skin so you have some altered mental status in many ways we find this when someone makes an accident they wouldn't normally make so let's say they're been a tractor driver for 30 years or a road worker for 30 years and all of a sudden they make a mistake that would never be made in the non-heat and so their body begins to change and if you look at your brains 
and you look at the way your brain works, it's fascinating. If I drink too many beer at night, beers at night or liquor, whatever else, my cognitive function of my brain, the part that says, is this smart or not? The part that says, should I do this or not? The part that many of our teenagers in the room may not have fully functional yet, that part of the brain that is just not quite working right is the first part of the brain that heat stroke cuts off. So it stops saying, stop making those decisions that are rational. Stop doing those things that are causing me to do things. That's the part of your brain when we get drunk, when our head injuries, or when we have heat exhaustion. That's part of the brain that stops. If you're a diabetic, that's the part of the brain that stops the first. That's why you get kind of altered, unable to stand up. Same thing with heat stroke. And when your body reaches a certain temperature, your brain is extraordinarily, extraordinarily sensitive to temperature. And so when you hit a certain temperature, and it's 104 typically for us in the, in the room that they're not medically challenged, then all of a sudden your brain starts shutting down. And then your body begins to shut all of its resources from the largest organ, the skin, to the core body to try to figure it out. Well, the problem with that is your skin is how you lose heat. And if your skin stops losing heat, your body becomes an oven. And so your kidneys and your heart and your lungs begin to start slowly shutting down. And then we get this scenario where um, your kidneys will begin to really shut down. And some of you have seen this when you go to the bathroom and you urinate, you, you notice it's, it's awful dark. Well, that's your body saying, whoa, guys, that's your warning flag. And when you get to the heat stroke level, there is little that we can do in the emergency medicine setting that's any better than a full-fledged ice bath. That's the new thing that's come out in the last couple of years. We've realized, mainly about athletes around two days, if y'all will, uh, they're coming up and we'll see four or five guys have a, a devastating emergency uh, condition in the state from two days. And it's not that football is awful. It's that we don't do a very good job of managing heat. And so when they get heat exhausted and they're still sweating, oh, they're fine. So we continue the process on. And it's when they stop sweating, when we shut the skin down, is when our body becomes to get hot and cook. And so when you classically hear heat stroke, you hear altered mental status. They're not quite acting right, acting drunk, if you will. You will hear that they've stopped sweating which is a very telltale sign. If you have people that heat cramps, which is somewhere between heat stress and heat exhaustion, we get those cramps in our arms and our legs and our calves and our feet. We may get them at night when we get into bed. Those are our warning signs. Those are shots across the bow. And when we get to, um, again, athletics, you'll see guys in the, in the hopefully not anymore, but in the uh, dining halls where their whole body is convulsing from heat cramps. And the body's saying, whoa, slow down. We cannot, we cannot sustain this. So heat stress, heat cramp, same word, heat exhaustion, heat stroke, those are the three. What we've changed in medicine recently is we've said, you know what, guys, the hospital, the ambulance service, I do great work, but I don't have a cattle tub or a watering trough at my hospital. I have ice packs that I'm going to put on your groin or under your arms and your groin, and I'll cool you off. We don't have sprayers that I can mist you with. We just don't simply carry them. Now we do in some parts of the state because of this. But the best thing we can do for folks is to immerse them in water, in cold water as fast as we can. 
that's the biggest change in my field in EMS is we've begun to ask football players, athletes, and areas in the counties that I operate, go buy a cattle trough at, at the store of your choice, have some ice, and they go in it. And they're cooled off as fast as possible. Because what we found is if you get them to the hospital and we try to cool them off, we're good 10, 20, 30, 45 minutes an hour, depends on how far you away, with your brain that's cooking through the process. The next thing is go buy on your on your farm or in your area two nice spray bottles at your favorite hardware store. Keep them in. Mark them water. Misting someone with a fan is the best way to cool them off prior to they've stopped sweating. If they're still sweating, keep misting them, right? That helps the body release those heat. But the biggest thing we can do now is immerse them in cold water. Sounds crazy. And it should be really crazy when you show up and the paramedic asks you to do it. But that's where we're changing in the world of emergency medicine. My dad farms. Both my grandfathers were farmers. And I worked with one grandfather more than I did the other one. But I've heard my dad talk about his dad. And it was kind of like a badge of honor. He didn't drink much water. 100%. And the grandfather that I worked with, he didn't drink water. Right. I don't know that he consumed water, period. And I think that's changed. My daddy, he's always been big on drinking water. Yep. And the biggest thing people understand is that, you know, you cannot hydrate yourself while in the heat. So anything you drink in the heat of the day, it's not doing anything but maintaining where you are. It's not giving you any kind of build on your deficit. And this is the hard part. Cold water, which we love to drink, requires more energy for your body to make it temperate water to be absorbed. We love to drink cold water. I'm an ice water guru. If I'm out there expending energy and I drink in cold, cold water, it tastes great and it goes down well, but it's, my body's got to really make it temperate to absorb it. The other thing is sports drinks. Everybody thinks they're just awesome. Sports drinks of your flavor, they have a lot of glucose in them because it tastes good, right? They're not going to make a sports drink that doesn't taste good. That's called Pedialyte, and everybody thinks it tastes awful. Well, the reason for it is it doesn't have a lot of glucose in it. And so when you have sugar water or glucose, it's going to pull water into your gut away from where you need it. And so remember, if you're hydrating, you're hydrating the night before, you're hydrating the night after, and during the day you're maintaining. And what I, what I tell people is you can get these online, but this sounds kind of gross, but a urine color chart. And there are a lot of people now, I was just down at um, LSU at their athletic facility and just was in Startwell last week talking to their guys. And this is what we do with our troopers when we're in training. Uh, I want to know your urine color morning, noon, and night. Because if it is yellow, you are well dark yellow. If it's brown or iced tea colored, you're on the verge of, of, of kidney collapse. And there are a lot of people that walk around with dark yellow urine. and That's just where they live. And your body is globally deficient in water. And so for your grandfathers, I would argue, or I would, I would, I would say pretty candidly now, with, with the amount of renal or kidney failure we have in Mississippi now, just by the nature of who we are, specifically in the African-American community, we're already predisposed to kidney injury. We all are. You add on heat and the lack of water, we're just making our kidneys work harder to keep the water that we have in. And so when we are proceeding on with, with large events outside and you're 10, 12, 15, 16 hours a day outside, the best thing you can do is, is urinate enough that is clear. 
the old saying is, if you pee yellow, you're an awful dry fellow. That's real. And you can look at the color charts <clears throat> and see, and there's some people that place them uh, in areas of bathrooms for people to remind them, hey, listen, uh, at, at, Trooper, uh, at Trooper School, we put it up. This is your, your, your urine colors. And if you're at uh, you know, dark yellow or almost yellow brown, you got to stop. We got to figure out what's going on with you. And so for your world, the original question was hydration before and after. And then uh, if you want a sports drink, great, cut it in half. Cut half water, half sports drink. You mentioned the sports drink pulling water to itself. So then you're outside working or, or playing sports, whatever you're doing, and you get the water belly is what, mm-hmm. what yeah, we called absolutely. it when I was a kid, you yep. know, just sloshing around. And that affects performance too. 100%. Yeah. And then again, that's it's, it's steady water, not drinking a large amount of water at one time. Your body has got to remember, it's got to make it temperate before it goes into absorb. And so the more you drink, the faster you drink, you're going to have water jug. You're going to have that water belly that bounces around slow steady water some people uh, y'all both got these these nice cups here fill them with water drink them occasionally while you're out there 32 ounce ice with a straw and just keep chugging along don't drink it at one time and just make it same you drink coffee every morning think of that in water during the day and continue to go through that process you should be urinating one time every two hours every two and a half hours if you're outside if you're not and you're going 12 hour stretches on a tractor the only thing you're doing is making your kidneys work harder and it's with everything in our body, our organs only have so much to give. And at some point, they're going to say, I'm done. And so what we don't want to do is, is stress our kidneys any more than we have to. All right. What about the addition? You said sports drinks. Yep. We all do those. Absolutely. And, and if you listen to what they've done with Gatorade over the mm-hmm. years, they've decreased the amount of salt content, right. increased the amount of glucose yep. because it tastes better. It and everybody's hooked on sugar, let's face it. Those of us that don't do a lot of sugar, what about salt tabs? or electrolyte packets. I mean, I'm a big believer in those because I work out like crazy and yep. I'm a huge sweater. Yep. So I, no, I, I stick think, to those. I think, you know, the salt you got to be careful with because the salt will will last, will take more water away. Electrolyte, um, specifically the ones you see the marathon guys doing, which are the gels, which are much easier to absorb. The, the room temperature gels, those work exceptionally well for a long distance or intense aerobic exercises or being outside, those are exceptional. The addition of a morning vitamin every morning and potentially morning and evening vitamin if you're outside all the time. Remember, except for, for prenatal vitamins, they all have enough in them that you, know, you, you ain't really overdose on the dang things. Um, but, but having those morning and evening and having fluids, but also having, to your point, the gels that help replace what you're losing. But again, half-strength Gatorade and water is going to be your best, and those other things can help supplement as it goes through. The salt thing, so many people, I think, forget that Mm -hmm. because your body's sweating out more than just fluid. You're sweating out salts. Correct. So replacing all that. And I I use those element packs Mm -hmm. and absolutely love them. I agree. There's a lot of gimmicks out there, but but stick with something that is good with you and, and encourage your other persons that are working alongside you to continue to follow those same things because then, you know, again, back to being selfish, one of the first signs of a heat stroke is ultra mental status. And the last thing I want someone to do is have ultra mental status on a piece of equipment that's working alongside me. And so to be able to make sure that you're on the same page, is what I tell my guys that wear the badge all the time is I want you to take care of you for you. But oftentimes if I tell them that you're going to take care of you for your partner, it goes a lot further. 
And so remember that all of you guys that are out there running the, running the crops and doing the farm work, they've got to remember we all in this together, hold each other accountable, come up with plans to make sure that your guys are drinking the water, doing things. They may go have a wild night of Bud Light or a Coors Light the night before. That's awesome. But just remember, you're going to die your race. You're going to get all of that out of you. So you're going to come in that next morning with a huge water deficit. That's part of the hangover thing we have with the headaches. That's all water deficit or mostly water deficit. So remember, if you want to do that, great. Just remember that you've got to pick back up on what you take in. Is there a conditioning element to what we're talking about? So if I work inside for a week, yep. and then I have something that takes me out of doors yep. suddenly on a really hot day. Yep. We see this all the time during hurricane season when our electrical friends come in from all over the country to help. They are not used to this heat at all. And we literally will, we can almost predict when they're going to drop like flies because it's going to be, we learned it first during Katrina. And then we now saw it as more and more electricians come in, relief workers, volunteer workers. We saw it rolling fork earlier this year where people came in to try to help and they just could not sustain the heat. We'll see it. As I understand that MSU's first game is uh, 2.30 in the afternoon with Arizona. My hope is we'll see it that game too. These guys are not used to this humidity. It is dramatic, and their bodies aren't used to it. And so conditioning is huge if you're going to work your way up to that. But it's, it is common to see those in Mississippi. I think we're born out of the womb conditioned to it, but those that, that come here from other places cannot sustain. That's why I sweat more than anybody else. I wasn't born and raised here, so yeah, it's a go. little, yeah, it's a little more traumatic in my yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Most people catch on pretty quick. Yeah, I did. I did. But you're outside a lot, Tom. You're in and out. Oh, yeah. And I, you but know. you're also outside in the heat part of the year. You're outside more than you're inside. And I do things that I, I don't want to tell him about, like spraying corn plots on 100-degree days in full Tyvek. You know, you just, that's Stupid. what you got to do. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it's absolutely it's the dumbest thing I do. And I have some people here. I, I did it last Friday night. I sprayed cotton plots full Tyvek. And paid for it then when I was done. Definitely paid for it Saturday. But, you know, one of the things you could think about, and and if you're doing that kind of work, is weigh yourself before and after. And there's calculations online. You can get them to look at your water deficit loss, and then that will tell you what you needed to make it up. And that's what we see with our hazmat guys that we send in uh, to do hazmat work is we weigh them before and after. Uh, And that really gives us a good idea of, of what their water loss is. Uh, and then, of course, during athletic events, we're weighing them before and after. And so that may be something just you're an academic guy. How much am I losing when I do this and how much do I need to make it back up on the other side? But it's real. And even in the evening time, you're still at, what, 90% humidity and 85 degrees. And yeah, and the, ways I, the way I've always tried to look at it now is years ago before I started doing electrolyte packets i'd cramp at night pretty yep. bad yep and i knew that well i ever did it yesterday obviously i worked outside too much and mm-hmm. sweated way too much mm-hmm. so the fact that i have a bad leg cramp now is not mm-hmm. good now that i do electrolyte packs i didn't even mm-hmm. cramp after that friday so i felt a little better and it also wasn't 95 degrees when i was doing it, it might have been 85 degrees sure but you're in a topic suit that's right yeah can i jump in with a question okay when things start to go south with a partner that yep. you may be working with on a yep. farm or, or working out or out for a run, whatever it is, at what point do we need to call the professionals? Yeah. So anytime you have someone that is, is altered in their, in their mentation. And what I typically do is I'll ask them questions that I know they know answers to. Right. 
depending on their education level and their knowledge level, asking questions that are germane to what they do. So if I ask someone who the president is, some people don't know and don't care, right? But I ask them questions that are germane to what they're doing. The second thing is if they have stopped sweating, if everybody else is sweating and they're not, you got a big problem because you're about one to two degrees away from body beginning to shut down. Mm. Because remember, your skin is your biggest organ in your body, and that is the organ we use to dissipate all of our heat. And if that's beginning to shut down, you need to get help quickly. But don't be surprised if they get there and they're not as fast as you want them to be because as soon as they get in the ambulance, our ability to cool them down dramatically decreases. So having something there to cool someone down taking their clothes off with modest, uh, appropriate you know, dress, dousing them with water, getting their temperature down as rapidly as possible. That's a new thing. That's not been recent. Um, it's been a, a fairly new, um, you know, we were worried that we get them too, quick, too cool too quick. We're, we're done with that. Get them as cool as you can, as fast as you can. So to answer your question, number one, ultra mental status. Number two, stop sweating. And number three, get them as cool as you can, as fast as you can. So that's things that lay folks can do. Absolutely. We, you can yeah. do it better than I can do it. Okay. Y'all know how you can cool people off. You know where the spigot has cold water. You know where this is well water gets cold quicker. Y'all know that stuff better than we ever will. And again, I'm helping design a hospital. One of the things I'm helping design this hospital is we got to have a room we can douse people in, full body dousing them. And they're, they look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, no, no, you understand we have this every year and we do a very poor job of putting ice packets under your arms and under your neck and cool your, no, this is getting them as, as cool as possible, as fast as possible. So it's both. And we, we go to work as lay folks that Absolutely. are free, and we call nine one one. we get the professionals there. Absolutely. And, and, and I think we'll talk about this in a later podcast, but the other thing is remember a lot of the places where you guys operate are, are not on maps or commonly known as mom's garage or Tommy's barn or things that, that the lay professional may not know. And I joke with, with a lot of my paramedics is you need to ride with the rural mail carriers because they know where everybody is, names and all. But you may have to go to the road to find the paramedics. You may have to get out there and flag them down. But, but just having someone that just would know where you are in rural Mississippi, rural anywhere, is a thought that you probably need to reconsider. Okay. Damon, David, we really appreciate it because I – that is really important information, and I know even on this experiment station, this farm, when, we, when Jason and I work, we don't necessarily think about that enough. So we, we can't thank you enough for coming and taking time out of your day to talk to us about that. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension. Extension.